0: Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this episode on Monday, December 28th, 2020. And I don't need to tell you, Aaron, whose birthday this is today, right? Yeah, it's Uncle Stan's birthday today. Yeah, okay. if Stan were still with us, this would have been his ninety eighth birthday. He would have seen all of the changes that Captain
1: America has seen mm-hmm. in in real time. <laughs> he he wouldn't need the notepad to know Star Trek versus Star Wars and what mm-hmm. Google and Twitter
0: was all about. He's he was down with it. A guy who made it an effort to constantly be current. Well, again, it's it's December twenty eighth, so I have to ask, how was your Christmas? It was wonderful. We had a, a nice, quiet little uh,
1: time at home. That's all we really needed. And what? for the first time in, it seems like, decades, we both had Christmas off. Which wow. is Wow. Yeah. I
0: mean, well, given the business that you and your bride work in, that's really kind of a surprise. How, how did you pull that off?
1: It was one of the things where they had, they had the right staff. She put in for it a long time ago and has mm-hmm. and never in eight years now. Had a Christmas off, so it was like, yeah, you're getting you're getting Christmas off whether you like it or not. You've earned it.
0: Oh, well, that's great to hear. Okay, yeah. well, Nate and I had uh, pretty much the same thing. Kind of a quiet Christmas here, and because of the whole COVID nineteen thing, just getting down to visit with my mom. Between the masks and sanitizer, and it felt more like a robbery than a you know, holiday celebration. <laughs> sure, but, and in yeah. fact, carrying the, the bags of gifts out of the house, it, it was kind of a robbery. Speaking of Christmas, did you catch the thing that Marvel posted on the twenty fifth—the Twelve Days of Christmas Marvel style? No, I missed that. So we've got a whole pile of what? What, what did they throw us? Twelve. Okay, 12 dueling Avengers. We had 11 fake Lokis, 10 rings, as in Shang-Chi. Yep. We had the nine realms from Thor, the Dark World. We had eight guardians, which I guess if you count, especially after Guardians of the Galaxy 2, we had the seven PhDs that Bruce Banner supposedly has, our six Infinity Stones, uh-huh. the five Wakandan tribes.
1: No, come then, on, now do it right.
0: Do what? Five tribe Okay, then we had four Black Order members. Three snaps. I guess that's the number of times the Infinity Gauntlet was used. Oh yeah, yeah. Two Sokovian twins, and finally a rabbit and his tree friend. So mm, one of those, I, those is slightly suspicious. I I do agree. <laughs> I do agree. But again, I, it was fun to see here. I like it. I like it. Speaking of, of fun to see, did have you caught? Con- The latest WandaVision trailer? Yes,
1: Yes, I did watch that just uh, earlier this evening. And I like all of it. I I can't wait. I'm really excited for this.
0: Out of everything in the trailer, and I love the overall feel, I love what they seem to be trying to do here. But the element that really intrigues me is that very quick shot of Randall Park's character, Jimmy Woo, and and that slew of FBI agents charging forward. Mm -hmm. There's been a couple of images of sort of off in the distance, what appear to be feds just lurking in the background. And it just, I'm just intrigued to see how that element comes into play in WandaVision. But beyond that, what about you? What jumped out at you?
1: So I like that they've got a theme, you know, the TV mm-hmm. shows jumping from mm-hmm. one well known TV family sitcom to another through the decades. I don't know how it works, I just like the idea of it. Mm -hmm. In the same way that Legion was very, Mm -hmm. very bold and very, very different. And part of the reason why I really enjoyed Legion was just because it was so damn daring. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't have to work all the time. It just had to be amazing. You know, so that was that was the threshold sometimes. And sometimes it was just amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's one of those things with WandaVision where I look at it and I see that they've got. I don't want to use a pun, but they've got Mm -hmm. a vision. Mm-hmm. And and they're really, really going to lean into it. And I think that that's going to pay off in the grand scheme. And mm-hmm. you still don't get really a sense of what the story is. There's a little hint mm-hmm. of what the story may be, but nothing to give it away. So I think everybody, when we go into this on day one, no matter
0: what we think we know, we're all going to be surprised. No, I agree. I agree. Cannot wait to take a look at that. Let me take a moment here to mention that the news portion of today's episode of Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destinations. When you're once again ready to travel and are looking for a worry-free travel experience, book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, Aaron, 2020 was, was a brutal year, one that took with both hands. We lost a number of performers that we love, people like Chadwick Boseman. I came across this interview that Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige had done with Amy Magazine, where Kevin revealed that we may not have heard the last of Chadwick Bozeman. Kevin, over the course of this interview, was asked about What If, that animated series that Marvel Studios has in production for Disney+. And in particular, Feige was asked if King T'Challa of Wakanda, aka the Black Panther, will be making an appearance on that show. And, and Kevin's response was, Black Panther won't be making an appearance on What If, He'll be making appearances. Since Marvel's What If, uh, this anthology series, was first announced back in the summer of 2019, Chadwick came in about four times and recorded for numerous episodes. In hindsight, it's very moving. So just to be clear here, we're not saying that Marvel's Black Panther character will be featured in four different episodes of What If. Truth of the matter is we don't know how many episodes worth of material Bozeman recorded for uh, once he got in the recording booth. I mean, I don't need to tell you, Aaron, about in an hour's worth of booth time, You can record material for a dozen shows, right?
1: No, no. For me, usually, because I have to record medical stuff and I have Mm. a hard time with the medical language in Mm. in an hour's worth of time, I can get a sentence.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I get that. I genuinely get that. But in an anthology series like What If?, in one episode... King T'Challa of Wakanda could, could just be a supporting character. We just align it to Whereas on another episode of, of What If, the Black Panther could be the lead character of that entire show. In fact, if you actually watch the trailer that's online, there's a whole episode in the first season of What If that asked, what if T'Challa had become Star-Lord instead of Peter Quill? And they just pick up with that premise and run with it. On the film sides of things, on the other hand, Black Panther 2 continues through its pre-production phase. I don't know if you saw, but Tanrach Huerta, the star of uh, Netflix Narcos Mexico, had just been hired to play the villain in this Ryan Coogler movie. And as for who will be playing the hero in Black Panther 2, I have been told by friends at Marvel Studios that Letitia Wright's Shuri character given that she is the Princess of Wakanda and T'Challa's rightful heir, will be stepping into the spotlight in the sequel. But it's a crazy production schedule. They're going to actually start shooting till July of next year. It's supposed to be a six-month-long shoot, and then they have to complete post-production in time for this movie to open in theaters on July 8, 2022. That said, Aaron, I think we talked on the last show about Ms. Wright had shared a video on December 3rd from a COVID vaccine skeptic. Right. The story I'm being told is that Marvel had a conversation with Leticia after this, where they start off by saying, look, you're entitled to your own opinions, but Marvel Studios likes its performers to avoid controversy where possible.
1: You sure they didn't say, hey, look, you're supposed to be a smart science character. Quit denying <laughs> science on Twitter. It's kind of screwing things up.
0: Uh, they didn't say it just like that. I, 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 <laughs> I That might have been an interesting thing. What's worth noting, or at least as far as I'm concerned, again, this video gets posted on December 3rd. By December 7th, Ms. Wright had pulled down... Both her Twitter and Instagram account and announced that she was taking a break for all from all social media for the foreseeable future.
1: All right. Well, the reality of the thing is she's she's not a doctor. She doesn't know. She's she asked a question Mm -hmm. about, is this a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know what's in it. I'm Mm -hmm. confused. Someone talk to me. Mm -hmm. And instead of people talking to her, they just pooped on her. And, and then she withdrew from social media and she withdrew from the conversation. She felt like she did something wrong by asking an honest question. And the thing is, 99% of the people I know are not doctors. The only person mm-hmm. I know who's a doctor is my doctor. Mm-hmm. I think it's okay for her to ask a question and say, I don't know about this. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she was necessarily saying vaccines don't work. I'm a va- anti-vaxxer like mm-hmm. we're used to in that mm-hmm. conversation. it's uh, This is a new thing, man. There's like n- 10 different varieties coming at us, and they're all made of something a little bit different. What's what?
0: I think the key word here is conversation. We are in a, a very polarized age, and it's been a long time since we actually talked to one another. We kind of talk at each other or past each other. We are long past the days when Marvel Studios would take a chance on a a performer with a somewhat colorful past. I mean, I honestly wonder if it were today whether or not Jon Favreau could have closed the deal to get Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. Given some of the things that Robert was involved in or colorful incidents in his past, especially with Disney rather than Paramount calling the shots, I wonder if that could have happened. When Marvel caved to Favreau's request, they did, however, make a condition that okay, if you want Robert Downey Jr. to play Tony Stark, we're only gonna offer, you know, five hundred thousand dollars for the role, which mm-hmm. was a definite step down from what Downey w- was making at that time for movies. But Robert wanted it so bad he took the role, and, and mind you, later, Marvel really did pay for underpaying that for endgame, they had to give Robert upfront 20 million dollars. But they also had to agree to give him 8% of the back end of the film, which supposedly raised his payday to $75 million. So, so uh, long story short, you're a Hollywood executive. Maybe don't lowball, especially if you're you're looking at a franchise character. And next time you do it, I'm going to
1: make you get on your knees and make you kiss my <laughs> pinky ring. I'll be all nice and polite is what I'm asking. You don't have to be a jerk about these things. It's a family thing. Kiss my <laughs> ring.
0: <laughs> Getting back to the whole avoiding performers with issues thing, that became really clear early this week when it was revealed on December 26th that after Shia LaBeouf's former girlfriend, TK Twigs, sued him for physical, emotional, and mental abuse, Marvel Studios supposedly withdrew their offer. To have LaBeouf play a superhero in a future project. I'm trying to figure out which future project this is, whether it was a limited series. uh, The the one of the things that Marvel Studios is doing for Disney Plus was a theatrical release. So Shia apparently has
1: checked himself in for a long-term rehab. Yeah. So at least he's doing the, I acknowledge I have a problem, which is the Mm -hmm. first step. Mm Mm-hmm. So let's hope that he follows through with the rest of the steps and Mm -hmm. gets some betterment
0: on the other side. No, I agree. I agree. I know in the past we've talked about Thor Love and Thunder. Production is going to get underway in Sydney right after the new year. Also, we finally have a name on the character that Christian Bale is going to play in this Taika Waitita movie, and he's Gore the God Butcher. Awesome. I'm told that this character is one of the darker, more powerful villian, villains in Marvel's comic canon. And evidently, Gore's name says exactly what he loves to do. He killed gods. In the storyline, I guess, the in the comic, he was re- introduced in Thor, God of Thunder, number five. We actually come across Gore after he's been torturing Thor in a cave for 17 days solid. Love and Thunder deals with Jane Foster getting breast cancer, right? We have no idea if that's really going to be part of the story
1: or not. I don't think that they actually ever confirmed that. They just Mm. said that Jane was going to be in the story. She might have to wield the hammer.
0: Okay, okay. I'm just, between Gord, the god killer, and, excuse me, the god butcher, and Jane's reported health issues. I know Taika Waititi really has a gift for finding humor in weird situations, but this might be a little harder. Just keeping things light, funny, and entertaining like Thor Ragnarok was. Oh, we were just talking about New Year's. Did you see where Marvel Studio President Kevin Feige made an announcement? earlier this week where I guess Marvel fans in China can expect to see on Billy Billy, which I guess is a Chinese video sharing website based in Shanghai. It seemed on animation, comics and games. Here's what Kevin said. Hello to all the Marvel fans in China. I'm Kevin Feige, president of Marvel studios. 2020 has been an unusual year for all of us, but together we've kept hope alive in the face of unprecedented challenges, but we've never stopped telling the tales of heroes. Next year, Marvel Studios will continue bringing stories to the big screen, including Black Widow, Shang-Chi, and The Legend of the Ten Rings, as well as The Eternals, welcoming a brand new era in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But before that, there will also be a Marvel-themed New Year's performance to welcome the New Year. Tune in to Billy Billy's New Year Gala on December 31st and catch a glimpse of what is to come. And this is supposed to be a Marvel musical? Okay. Um, Uh, Dazzler? I I don't know. Between this Marvel music-themed performance on New Year's Eve and then, then the very next day, they're doing Ratatouille the musical as a fundraiser for the Actors Fund on TikTok. I mean, it's it, if it's it's Japanese,
1: right? No, it's in Shanghai, based it's in Shanghai. In Shanghai. I, yeah. it, it it could be a crazy version of the Masked Singer, Marvel themed Masked Singer, Shanghai. For all we know, okay. I, I don't know. know. They do weird stuff.
0: All right. Speaking of which, uh, when we get back here, Ender and I will take a look back at 2020, as well as talk about what lies ahead for Marvel Studios in 2021. I would be remiss if I did not mention the audition tape that Melissa McCarthy and her husband Ben Falcone put together for this Marvel Cinematic Universe film. Have you you seen this yet?
1: No, I haven't. Should I go look it up right now? I, it's,
0: well, uh-huh. it's it's definitely something you should seek out, especially if you were raised back here in the eastern part of the country where the Carvel ice cream cakes, you know, the stores that sold the Carvel cakes. Right. Because evidently Melissa is making her pitch to the executives at Marvell. Oh, right. You know, I love your movies and I love your ice cream cakes. <laughs> anyway, speaking of big-time celebrities, Did you see earlier today when Tom Hanks, who's who's out there right now uh, doing publicity for his latest film, News of the World, was talking about the the future of film exhibition and how Hanks honestly believes it will basically depend on the success of Marvel Studios?
1: Look at him begging for a job. That's so (laughs) cute. Well, you know. Did he he address Kevin directly when he did that? Did he look at the camera and go, Mr. Feige, I'd be proud to join
0: your ever-expanding universe of charismatic characters. I have not seen that (laughs) part of the footage yet. Oh, by the way, I I should point out this interview is over on Collider, the great movie news site, which, by the way, employs my uh, fine-tuning co-host, Drew Taylor. Anyway, here's the question that, that Tom got asked by Steve Weintraub. As we look out ahead to 2020 and 2023, as the pandemic finally subsides and people get back into their former routines, will movie theaters still exist? And Hanks' response is, absolutely they will. In some ways, the exhibitors, once they're up and open, will have a freer choice of what movies they do want to play. Mind you, I'm no Cassandra when it comes down to this, but I'm going to say big event motion pictures are going to rule the day at the cinemas. Because after this, in order to guarantee that people will show up again, we're going to have to have the Marvel Universe and all sorts of franchises. And some of these movies are great. By the way, I I think maybe you're right. That's a job (laughs) pitch right there, Aaron. But you want to see them writ large because actually watching them at home on your couch might actually diminish them somewhere, somehow, with their visual punch. You know, the reason exhibitors will even have this strategy to fall back on uh, these big event films It's largely because Marvel Studios' president, Kevin Feige, hung tough. Pixar blinked. That's why Soul wound up on Disney Plus uh, Mm. on Christmas Day. Nathan and I watched it the other night, and I I honestly wish that I had seen this on a bigger screen. Mm -hmm. I really think people shouldn't be introduced to this Pete Doctor film in their living rooms. They need to see it on the biggest screen possible. I mean, it has an absolutely amazing design. And as long as we're, we're talking about Christmas Day releases, Wonder Woman 1984 in a limited number of theaters around the country and on HBO Max. And when it was in theaters, it made $16.7 million, which, by the way, that's the height of box office for all of 2020. Okay. So let's do a victory lap question
1: mark. Is that what we're going to celebrate is we got basically about 15% of what Wonder Woman, the first movie got in theaters when the world was working. Normally 15% we're going to take a victory lap and, and
0: they've already greenlit Wonder Woman three just today. Yep. By the way, I should stress here that that's 16.7 million. and, And again, that's the height of the box office after March, after everything closed down, so to speak. Let's also point out that one of the reasons that Wonder Woman 3 just got greenlit is because, according to Warner Brothers, half of all subscribers to HBO Max tuned in on Christmas Day to watch Wonder Woman 1984. Now, I just wonder how the exhibitors, the theater owners
1: feel hearing that. Like, Mm -hmm. we don't even know what the number is that HBO has for subscribers. We just Mm -hmm. know that half of them watch. But I'm sure Mm -hmm. if it were like, say, 10 million and they had 10 million subscribers in half, that's 5 million. Well, that'd Mm -hmm. be 5 million people that could have bought a ticket in the theater instead and helped save the kid who pops your popcorn and his job a little bit Mm -hmm. longer. As opposed Mm -hmm. to all that money just going to Warner Brothers. Mm Mm-hmm. See, that's where the problem lies, where they're celebrating like it's a great thing, and they just kneecapped
0: their, what used to be their best friend, their partner mm-hmm. in crime, the theaters. That's where the exhibitors now are building an altar to Kevin Feige, because again, mm-hmm. he was under the same pressure. Over the past nine months, there has been huge pressure placed on the head of Marvel Studios to the effect of, look, we've got Black Widow in the can, we've got Eternals in the can, And we've had huge successes with taking things that were supposed to be released theatrically, like Hamilton, and putting it on Disney+. And we should do that. And Kevin had two arguments. One of them was, let me direct your attention back to 2018 and 2019, where we put out six movies. Marvel Studios paid a billion dollars total to make Black Panther, Infinity War, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel... Avengers Endgame, and the money they put into Spider-Man Far From Home. On the flip side of that, though, that billion dollars translated into $8.9 billion in worldwide ticket sales. And we made that all in theaters. That was at the start Right. Of our usual revenue model. And then it was all the money that followed that. The, yeah.
1: After that, you've got your home video, you've got your mm. toys, you've got. Mm. And then when you put it all into a giant pile of all the movies that you made and then throw mm. it all on Disney plus, that is like yeah. the huge carrot for fans to go say, well, I need a subscription to that. Cause that's where the, that's the house, the address where all of that lives now. And I would like a key to enter that house whenever I please.
0: And the other thing worth mentioning here. Is that Feige was able to go? Look, I understand you want me to put this on Disney Plus on the subscription streaming service, but you do remember I'm making things for your subscription streaming service. I mean, Mm. we we just talked about WandaVision and we've got, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki. These have all been in development since September of 2018. Right. And Kevin wanted to make sure that. While Marvel's upcoming theatrical releases and these limited series were deliberately designed to interconnect, but at the same time, he wanted these two sets of productions to stay in their lanes. So as you just mentioned, you know, the notion is the theatrical releases debut in theaters, and then at the end of their exhibition cycle, they wind up on Disney+. Whereas the Marvel limited series... They get heavily promoted as shows you can only see if you have a subscription, which in turn drives more bodies to kick in that $4.99 a month. Right. I don't know if you know the Rudyard Kipling poem, If, but it actually starts off with a, a couplet to the effect of, if you can keep your head while well, all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowances for their doubting too. And that, that's the thing. That's what Feige did in 2020. He trusted that Marvel studio, what they had done prior to the pandemic and didn't panic when everybody else in Hollywood did. And he, yes, he shifted release dates, but it was always about, you know, it's going to go theatrical and then it can go to Disney Plus. And, Without naming names here, the new head of Disney wasn't necessarily happy with this decision. But again, when a when a man makes eight point nine billion dollars for your company, right, you
1: listen. Sure, there's a part of this too, all of you know what Feige doing with his game plan, and mm-hmm. you know we're watching a almost like the glaciers melt. You know, it's one of these huge things that's been around forever and ever and ever. And when you wake up and it just disappears. So mm-hmm. with the theaters and HBO max, uh, legendary who's doing mm-hmm. Godzilla versus Kong, they mm-hmm. want to have HBO max and Warner brothers pay them a minimum of $250 million. If they're going to f- air their, their movie, Mm-hmm. on HBO Max and bypass theaters, because that was what Netflix had offered them. There we go. There we go. Before yeah. they had decided on, you know, we're going to release it theatrically. And now all of this went haywire and et cetera. So HBO Max, if if all of a sudden their decision to just release everything willy nilly on HBO Max because they need content, new content mm-hmm. for subscribers and sure, who wouldn't love to see all of the movies on your home screen just for a subscription. That's like an a la carte, you know, like I've got a, a, the buffet Mm -hmm. of everything that was going to come into theaters under a certain number of movie houses for Mm -hmm. an entire year. That is very tantalizing as a movie lover, but it's crippling the movie theaters for what they could be doing. And Sony, as a result has even seen directors and content creators looking to them to say, I, I don't want to do work with Warner brothers. If this is what they're going to force us into, we would like to have our stuff
0: released in the theater. Cause that's why we got into movie making. Yeah. You've hit upon a, a particularly sore point out in Hollywood that Warner brothers went from being the most creative, friendly studio in town mm. to, you know, with this one decision to push their entire slate I would, and I guess, again, there's a limited theater release plus, but largely on HBO Max, you know, a lot of talent just decided I can't work with these people and, you right. know, have decided to go elsewhere.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, if you compare that with what Kevin's doing and staying on track, I mean, we we have to applaud that, don't we? Isn't that the right thing to do at this moment? Whether we like it or not, I wish we mm. could have Black Widow right now. Mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. right thing is we want theaters to exist. So,
0: Yes, I have to applaud Feige for staying the course. But th- for, for me, what's fascinating is to watch the Marvel playbook get grabbed by out of the divisions at Disney. I mean, I mean, again, I know we talked about the Disney Investors Day on the last show. I don't think, however, we talked about what Lucasfilm announced, that on the heels of the success of The Mandalorian, they've got actually three now. We just found out with the last episode of season two of The Mandalorian that there are three limited series coming from uh, additional uh, limited series coming from Lucasfilm. We've got Star Wars Ahsoka, Star Wars Rangers of the the New Republic, and finally Star Wars The Book of Boba Fett. But as Kathleen Kennedy was standing on stage as part of the Investor's Day presentation, she also revealed that eventually there's going to be this crossover event between all four series. You know how, like, when I, there we go, get a (laughs) look, just like uh, Iron Man and Incredible Hulk in 2008, Iron Man 2, 2010, Thor and Captain America, Avengers in 2011, all built up to Marvel's The Avenger in 2012. And that's the plan for 2022, at least as far as these Star Wars limited series are concerned. There'll be a big crossover event. Which Lucasfilm is actually hoping that this crossover event will get people interested in going to see Star Wars on the big screen uh, three years from now, Christmas 2023. That's when Patty Jenkins' Star Wars Rogue Squadron movie is supposed to arrive in theaters. And she's got to get that one done before the Wonder Woman 3 thing that got announced and, and greenlit today. Of course, uh, Star Wars Rose Quadrant is based on the game that Lucasfilm and Nintendo created for Microsoft Windows and the Nintendo 64 back in December of 98. And I guess as long as we're talking about 2020, uh, it was kind of a mixed bag for gaming for Marvel, don't you think? Well, Marvel's never really had
1: too much of a strong point when it came to games. I mean, it's not like they're doing any of their own stuff in-house anyway. It's a developer mm-hmm. that's usually trashing their their material mm-hmm. for them on mm-hmm. their behest. Mm-hmm. So X-Men Ultimate Alliance, those were good. And mm-hmm. you got to play like a four-player co-op. And then mm-hmm. you had some just superior Spider-Man games this last mm-hmm. generation You know, Mm -hmm. winning Game of the Year Award and now with the Miles Morales game coming out right now. So I think on on those single beams of light, but the thing Mm -hmm. is, like I remember back in the day when there was a Hulk game, and Mm -hmm. I mean it was kind of fun to stomp around for about five minutes, but the game was not good. It was not it was not fun. Mm -hmm. And there was this thing when the Spider-Man game hit and all of a sudden there was a report about, well, we're gonna do a Marvel avengers game and it's like uh-huh. yeah it don't work the same man the uh-huh. reason spider-man works is like you you are put down in a recreation of new york city and you can swing and uh-huh. get from one side of the city to another in like two minutes uh-huh. if you're really really good at what you do and this you've got five different heroes that do five different things and the but the here's the problem is you want to be able to familiarize yourself with all of the characters Mm -hmm. So we're going to make a generic control scheme where we've got a, a weak punch and a strong punch. We've got a block and we've got a jump. Mm -hmm. And so everybody now feels exactly the damn same because of, of this, this one thing. So the good Marvel video games have been very few and far between over the years. Surprising that, that Marvel Avengers didn't live up to the hype. Nah,
0: not really. That game came out in August and Paul Tassie Forbes, back on December 21st, actually published a story to the effect of how to save Marvel's Avengers, a game that deserves a second chance. He argues that in much the same, in fact, what's scary is almost the exact language that you used about these are very distinct characters and why do they have, you know, virtually the same control system. Right. Whereas on the other hand, you you just mentioned a uh, Spider-Man, Miles Morales polygon listed the top 50 games to 2020, Miles Morales was number six, citing the exact example you were talking about, about just your ability to be in a real New York and swinging through the skyscrapers. I mean, this is a genuinely entertaining, exhilarating game. I have a a family friend who works on the phone gaming side of Disney, Mm -hmm. and the Mandalorian game that they introduced earlier this year. Became one of the most successful things that Disney gaming has ever done. And given that we now live in an era where gaming actually makes more money than films and sports, there's going to be increasing pressure on Marvel to solve its gaming issue and really get into the gaming game. Well, that's always been a traditionally a weak point for
1: Disney, the parent company. Oh is yes. They've tried their hand at doing their own games and failed many times at that oh, one. And then they it. would
0: license out mm-hmm. and that usually didn't go over so well either. No, no, you are so right. I have been covering the Walt Disney Company for over 35 years now. And the dance in regard to gaming, it's Disney will start a giant in-house division with great hoopla and pour lots of money into it. Whatever they're doing doesn't work the way that Disney wants and and then they will suddenly dramatically shut down the division fire everybody, farm it out to another company and then that company will have a limited success and Disney will get greedy and then charge back into gaming. It's the same dance over and over again. It's like you know Jim here the, the here's the really whacked out part of this whole thing is
1: mm-hmm. traditionally Disney would mm-hmm. probably just buy the studio that does the the coolest <laughs> thing that matches what Disney's all yeah, about right yeah. you know you know the only problem with that though is. You know mm-hmm. who that game company is? Who's that? Nintendo.
0: <laughs> oh, dear.
1: Right? You know. And you got mm-hmm. Nintendo Land coming out? Yeah. I mean, I can <sighs> see that fitting into the Disney model, but that's what—that's the fish they got to swallow
0: to get the game makers that fit the Disney vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny you, you bring up Super Nintendo Land because the Nintendo-inspired land that's uh, Going to open at Universal Studios Japan in February, and worst kept secret in the industry is that the West Coast version of Super Nintendo Land has been under construction for the better part of eighteen months at Universal Studios Hollywood, It'll open in summer two thousand twenty two. And I have to tell you, Disney is genuinely sweating Super Nintendo Land because they've got Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, but that was their answer to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And it's like, what do you got that's going to battle Super Nintendo Land? And it's like, uh, can we get back to you on that? Right. They don't. They don't have something. And and that's the other thing. The fear that we are now dealing with that generation of gamers that have had kids and now game with their kids. And Disney has nothing that has that level of connection.
1: But yeah, Um, actually they do. They've got the void. They're making Uh, content that is digital that people are paying good money to go into an empty warehouse and put goggles on their head and run around in. And I just spent uh, a week in Batuu doing the Star Wars uh, Galaxy's – well, it wasn't Galaxy's Edge. It was Mm -hmm. Tales from – Star Wars, I don't remember what the name was, but it was in, in VR and it was fun and I played it for, you know, a couple days and felt like I actually went to the place for a minute.
0: The home version of that VR, again, yes, that that's something dif- Disney's definitely leaning into. On the other hand, if you're talking about the void, the physical... Void setup that, that, geez, Disney invested in that company and believes strongly in that company. Yeah. And then, you know, here comes COVID and let's face it, the the business model is we all share goggles and we all, you know, after they wipe it down, you put on the same vest and you pick up the same weapons as, you know, the other people who just had that 10 or 15 minute long experience. And it's like, face it, that business model doesn't work. That part doesn't, but they, but if we're talking
1: strictly about, they don't have programmers that can't build a game. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. they do. They've, they've already got it in one form, kind of mm-hmm. already in a package. We just need to find a way to restructure it so we can get it to into your home instead of people coming to us. Like, for example, there's a game out where on a, on a VR headset mm-hmm. where If you have a large open space, let's say you've got a two-car garage, and you Mm -hmm. move both your vehicles out so it's an empty space, Mm -hmm. that headset will measure the space that you're in and then Mm -hmm. put up walls in VR. So, like, if you're going to actually bump into your real wall, there's a wall there, so... Mm -hmm you know that there's a boundary there, but then there's fake walls in the garage and you kind of dodge between these and you, and then you shoot the other person in VR with your, your little lasers, but you're dodging around fake walls that Mm -hmm. only you and the other player can see. And so every time you play the game, they set up a a different little maze out of pretend walls. So Mm. if you can get around that kind of concept of you just need an open enough space Mm. If you got a 15 by 15 area, like maybe a a basement that's open Mm -hmm. and you're able to utilize that, then all you got to do is create the program to go, hey, I know I know you've only got, you know, 15 by 15. So the path I'm going to have you walk like five feet right, uh, five feet forward, turn left, walk 10 feet, turn left, you know, and I'm going to just run you in a circle. But in the in the game, you're Mm going to look like you're, you know, progressing to wherever I want you to go. And so, yeah, I mean, Disney can do it because they've already done it in the void. They just have to start thinking of, they don't have a warehouse to do this in. Can we fit it in a two-car garage?
0: Interesting. Okay. Well, speaking of fake walls brings us to fake news. And um, I don't know if you saw just today, uh, there was, if you went on Twitter, evidently there was this image from a presentation that supposedly Disney television animation The Unit for Latin America supposedly announced a whole slate of projects that are coming from Disney television animation, but they were in particular there were three Marvel-related animated series that were supposedly in the works. There was the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, there was Gwenpool, as in Deadpool, and finally Spider Gwen Ghost Spider. And by the way, you can probably go on Twitter right now and chase down this beautiful, very professional-looking graphic. Only problem, Aaron, is that in Mexico, as well as in all Latin countries, people play jokes and pranks to trick friends and family every December 28th, uh, which is similar in that culture to April Fool's here in the West. Ah. And it's worth noting that the media in Latin America also likes to get involved in reporting news that is false on December 28th because it's thought to be in good fun. So... I would love to say that these are, you know, the unbeatable sw- Squirrel Girl uh, and Gwenpool and uh, Spider-Gwen Ghost Spider are real projects. And as I mentioned, folks, it's the week between Christmas and New Year's and nobody's answering their phones at Disney. So tell you what, let me make a few calls. Let me see if we can check that out. And hopefully Aaron and I will get to talk about that on the next episode of Marvelous Disney. Till then, if you are looking for other podcasts to listen to, we of course have Disney Dish with Lentesta. We have fine tuning with Drew Taylor. We got one more episode of Looking at Lucasfilm that I'm doing with Dan Z before I go solo on that show. We just recorded a brand new I Want That with Shelley Lead. And later this week, I'll be doing a new Universal joint with Dustin Fuse where we were just talking about Super Nintendo Land at Universal Studio Japan, which is doing soft opening right now. So hopefully we'll have some info to share about that. You know, honestly, the trip will
1: pay for itself. You just have to find the right floating block. Just punch it a few times. Grab them gold (laughs) coins. You're set. It's fine. No worries.
0: Honestly, Aaron, you're not wrong about the boxes. They actually have the equivalent of the Disney Magic Bands. Where if you hit the bottom of them, they light up and they actually keep tabs on the number of coins that you've earned during your visit in the park. I mean, it's. Do you get to exchange the coins for anything at the end of the trip? I want to say there's the equivalent of an online component to the experience. And I, I think you can actually carry that over. When you go home, and I, I don't know whether whether you can use those coins to buy virtual items or, or for that matter, physical items. Oh man, I was hoping for an Italian princess. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going down that road. <laughs> By the way, if you could do Aaron and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review this show. If you get over to Bandcamp and subscribe. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media, and over on Facebook at Jim Hill Media News. And Anna and I would like to wish all of you a happy new year, and here's hoping that 2021 is certainly better than 2020.